At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is VEASAN's College Football Betting Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Another edition of the VSIN College Football Betting Podcast, the Championship Week edition. Matt Newman's back from Hawaii. I am back from Mexico. So, uh, how are you? So good to see you. Big smile on your face. You look like that Hawaiian, uh, that Hawaiian charm kind of paid off. You think so? Yeah, I think so. You think it was, uh, I picked up some good luck on the islands because, I Tim, I came back with a belt. Yes, you did. Well, look at this thing. Can I show you this belt? For the, look right. at this. Boom. The bets giving champion of the world. Got a little DraftKings here. I could just see Matt Humans walking around town telling all the ladies about his belt. <laughs> New belt. So, yes, we have the bets giving champion of the world That's on right. our show. Somebody asked me about the contest. I said, you know, it's not a big deal. It's only the most esteemed handicapping contest in the world. And what was your quote? Is I've been dreaming of this all my life for the past week. I think it was, I said it was a <laughs> lifelong dream for the past week. Yeah. Well, you competition know was fierce. Tim, it, you put you pushed me to the finish line. You well, yes, I did. Okay. No, no, uh, I did not. I, I blame Britton Hess, our uh, our producer of Eason Primetime. You know, when in doubt, like a true athlete, mm-hmm. blame someone else for your faults, <laughs> and that's what I that's, do. That's take page one out of Aaron Rodgers' playbook. <laughs> If you suck, throw somebody else under the bus. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not taking any blame. I have to give uh, my uh, weekend producer, Friday night producer, Brian Ortega, credit. Because I was in Hawaii, and I couldn't get the DraftKings app to work on the geofencing. I was in Mexico and couldn't figure it out myself. 
And, John uh, Goulet, if he's listening, is rolling his eyes right now, our program director. I told you guys how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about the process where you had to tap your name seven times. Remember that one? Yeah, I'm, one? I'm just gonna I'm gonna I pretend like stuff. I remembered all of it. I don't remember. Anyway, Ortega put the plays in for me. We went two and zero on the first day. I said, okay, we, you know, I'm superstitious. You got to keep putting the plays in for the rest of the contest. And if you win, I'll buy you a two hundred dollar gift certificate to your favorite restaurant. So I asked him uh, today, actually, what's your favorite restaurant? Where do you want the gift certificate? And Ortega says, you know, I'm thinking maybe Wingstop. <laughs> I can't, I, was, I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, huh? people who go have, anywhere, f- huh? people have not been here, you know, Brian Ortega, God love him. We live in, we work at a great hotel in downtown Vegas at the Circa. They have Berries, they have 8 East. You could go anywhere. There's, uh-huh. there's plenty of great restaurants. Wingstop. All right. Wingstop. Well, the good thing is if you yeah. do buy him a $200 gift card to Wingstop, mm-hmm. uh, he could probably use that for 12 visits. I was going to say, it's, it's like a year's supply of Wingstop. Good Lord. If, uh, if that's what he wants. Yeah. Anyway. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, Tim, because I know you mean it from the bottom of your heart. and um, means a lot. You know, was, I, was, uh, uh, I was devastated, ruined my weekend that I did not win Betsgiving. What also ruined my weekend was that on the podcast last week, I gave out Auburn plus 21 oh, and a half. Wow. And they lost 49 to 27. You know, by the way, in the bets giving contest using DraftKings lines, we had a contestant, might have been you, or some, you might have won. Somebody won with 22 and a half, and somebody pushed on 22. Uh, so obviously, that number, who thought 22 was such a key number? But it comes into play in the uh, Auburn, Alabama game. I got to go back and listen, and I wonder if I said, ah, you know, anything over 21, you're probably good, you know? So uh, I actually played it. Not that anyone cares. Hopefully, if you tailed, uh, you did get 22 or 22 and a half. But that was a bummer. Two and two week for me last week on the pod. My two write-ups on the website came home. UTEP almost won it outright, which would have been beautiful, and Missouri. But we press on, Matt, and we've got a, a, a interesting week. And before we jump into the games, obviously a lesser slate because it is championship week. How do you normally go about weeks like this? Because it's high-profile games, a lot of ranked-on-ranked teams, but it's a small slate. You and I like to dive deep. You know, we'll look for motivational angles. I mean, that's something I certainly look at uh, during the regular season. So very limited slate, high-profile games. A lot of people are going to want to bet these games. How do you normally go about weekends like this? I don't think it's all that much uh, different from how you handicap rivalry week, you know, because – there are situations where teams are motivated to play for bowl eligibility or things like that. Just some rivalry games. You see some strange things happen. A week like this, I, kinda, I, I look at underdogs, uh, I think, uh, like LSU and Purdue a little bit differently. I don't want to say they're playing with nothing to lose, but they're playing with house money. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes the underdogs a little bit more dangerous in games like that. Now, we saw blowouts in uh, – some of these Power Five conference championship games in the past, but teams that were clear, clearly overmatched, like Iowa last year against Michigan. But Tim, don't you think coaches uh, like Brian Kelly, like uh, Jeff Brom, guys like that, are just going to empty the playbook uh, in a game like this because you are playing with house money? And if you can pull the upset, if you can beat Georgia, if you can beat Michigan, uh, that's almost—I uh, mean—that's a monster accomplishment for your program to win a conference championship. 
uh, in that situation, why would you not let it all hang out? Like I said, empty the playbook. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. We'll get to those two games because I know you have plays on both of them, maybe tipping your hat a little bit. We'll go in chronological order and we'll start. Well, we actually, before we get to it, let's let's put in the little uh, fancy uh, drop here. The main course. There we go. Friday night here in Las Vegas, it is a sellout, which is uh, which is great to see considering this conference championship was, for lack of a better ter- of terms, an embarrassment for years at Levi Stadium. Mm-hmm. No one went to it. You know, a lot of it had to do with the fact that, you know, Stanford wasn't in a decent amount and they don't have a great fan base. Had a good football team uh, for a good stretch. But it's going to be a sellout, great atmosphere, which is great to see here at Allegiant Stadium in town. 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock local kick. You can watch it on Fox. And uh, this line has has danced a little bit this week. Right now, as we record, mostly two and a half. So if you like the dog, there's a three out there at DraftKings. USC, 11 and one. They win. They're into the college football playoff. Utah, an opportunity to play the role of spoiler. How do you look at this one on Friday night? Well, there's a lot of different ways to look at this one. So I'm not going to say it's my biggest play of the year or anything like that. You recall the first time these teams played, you and I were on Utah. On the money line. On the money line. Thank God. And uh, I will say that laying the points with Utah was clearly the wrong side in that game. And I felt like Utah was probably the wrong side in the game, Tim. We were fortunate. You know, Kyle Whittingham turned into a uh, gambler at the end, and he went for two with 48 seconds to go after Cameron Rising ran in the uh, one-yard touchdown. Whittingham said he had his mind made up as they were driving that he was going to go for two. I don't disagree. Obviously, the call paid off. Utah wins the game 43-42. But when I look back at that game, Caleb Williams threw for 381 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. He was basically untouchable in that game. For the season, he's got 44 TDs, including 10 rushing and three picks. Insane numbers. There's no way he's not going to win Heisman. Uh, It would be a crime if he didn't win the Heisman at this point. The USC defense has been, um, I'm going to say, opportunistic. Nobody's going to look at the numbers and say this is a great defense, but the turnover... Uh, turnovers forced have been impressive, 26 on the season. Going back to that game, USC's offense, 556 total yards. The Trojans had a 21-7 lead uh, late in the second quarter. It seemed like they had control of the game, which they lost control of in the second half. I thought the difference in the game, Tim, USC was whistled for 12 penalties in the game. Uh, A couple of those... I want to say controversial or questionable, whatever, however you want to term it. I thought they were big penalties to kind of help swing the game, keep drives alive for Utah, and then Kyle Whittingham going for two at the end. And, of course, the game was in Salt Lake City as well. And if you look at the Utes, they haven't played as well away from home uh, this season. They really haven't. That's not unique to them. That's true with a lot of teams. But uh, I think USC right now, Caleb Williams has a hot hand coming off two big wins over UCLA and Notre Dame. I was foolish enough to bet against USC in both of those games and lose. Well, actually, he didn't lose a UCLA bet, but uh, anyway, pushed it. USC won both games. You and I both knew we were on the wrong side in Notre Dame last week in the first five minutes. I don't know even if you made Notre Dame bet. I did. I knew five minutes into it, it was the wrong side. Oh, I texted you. I said, Notre Dame's losing. 
You're uh, you're a Notre Dame guy, so I don't know if you had a bet or if you just uh, it was a fan in you talking. No, it was the fan in me knowing okay. that Notre Dame was going to lose. Yeah, it was pretty obvious that Irish were the wrong side in that game last week. I don't want to bet against Caleb Williams here, and uh, the fact that the Utes just haven't played very good football away from home. I laid two and a half with USC, but like I said, it's not my biggest play of the week or uh, anything like that. It's just a normal play because I think there are a lot of different ways you can look at this game. Well, we have uh, amazingly, through the regular season, disagreed once, officially, right. on picks. This will be number two. I'm going to take the three with Utah. Everything that you said is accurate. And I'm just going to be stubborn enough to go with Utah here. I took a little on the three. You could still get it. Uh, minus 115 at DraftKings. Maybe you wait a little bit and see the numbers uh, that come in. Um, look, it's not a pure anti-public play. Obviously, the public is on USC, no matter where you look, whether it's DraftKings or BetMGM. USC deserves to be the favorite in this game. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just... Kyle Whittingham came out earlier this week, and maybe it's means nothing. But he sat at his press conference and said, I see that everyone's already anointed USC to the college football playoff <laughs> and that Caleb Williams has won the Heisman Trophy. I think he has won the Heisman. I, I, he has not. Yeah, he can't lose the Heisman Trophy, in my opinion, this week, and the odds are showing that. Um, Cam Rising was a pumpkin against Oregon. He really was. He played terribly uh, through picks. Yep. I think when you look back at the Notre Dame-USC game, which you're accurate, USC right side the whole way, Notre Dame averaged over seven yards per play with Drew Pine as their quarterback. He played well, but Drew Pine, in my eyes, is a group of five type of quarterback, and he really had no issues whatsoever. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, Tavion Thomas obviously is out for Utah, which is a, a big loss. They're yeah, starting running loss. back. Dalton Kincaid is not 100% healthy, and uh, Cam Rising has kind of been up and down. And, you know, when you look at last week, Notre Dame against USC, you look at the two quarterbacks, just an incredible discrepancy. It's a pretty big discrepancy here, not as vast as it was last week, but I'm going to take the points. I think this is a close game. I think you're going to get a great effort from Utah. And I'm curious. I'm not a conspiracy theorist whatsoever. But I I'm, am. <laughs> but, I'm curious, but I'm curious your thoughts on this, uh -huh. because there's one side that says... I can tell you the answer before you ask the question. Well, I'm going to... I'm gonna Go ahead. So... The Pac-12 hasn't been to the playoff in six years, I think, five or six years since uh, since Washington. Washington. Got so you would down. think, okay, USC is going to get all the calls. They're leaving the conference right. high and dry in two years. So if you're in the conspiracy theories, I think there's two trains of thought. Does this conference want to get into the playoff? Of course. Do they want it to be USC though, because they're leaving them in two years? Okay, uh, to answer your first question, yeah, no doubt the Pac-12 wants to be in the college football playoff. means more money for the conference. Absolutely. Follow the money. And I think uh, if the first time I talked about it, 12 penalties on USC, there were a few questionable calls, big calls in that game that swung things kind of in Utah's favor. I think the calls might go USC's way here. Yeah, I'm a conspiracy theorist, no doubt about it. I think uh, if, uh, if you're not in terms of uh, – politics and sometimes the uh, upper workings of uh, some of these <laughs> leagues and playoff committees you're a fool not to be a conspiracy theorist now you know maybe in a specific game it's not going to work that way it used to in the nba when david stern was in charge oh yeah there's no question uh 
Yeah, I'm just saying maybe a couple calls go USC's way. There's no doubt the uh, conference wants to have a team in the playoff. It's great for the conference. Would the Pac-12 prefer it be Utah? No question, but Utah's got no shot at the playoff. So it's got to be UFC, USC or bust. And also keep in mind that USC has not left the Pac-12 yet. And I still think there's a chance that UCLA and USC could reverse course maybe at some point and stay in the Pac-12 and not complete that move to the Big Ten. Yeah, it's a long shot, but it's still a possibility. Until you leave, you haven't left. And um, I, I think that uh, there is a chance that you could see uh, a couple calls go USC's way. It's definitely, Tim, it definitely benefits the Pac-12, even if USC is deserting the league, to have a team in the playoff. The Pac-12 has really found amazing ways to get in its own way sure. to to miss this playoff. Yeah. And Utah knows it quite well. 2019, they win, they're in. They get blown out by Oregon. So we'll see if they can uh, reverse course. You know what's crazy? Ah, that was that was crazy. I remember that game vividly. And uh, Utah was just... Uh, Pummeled. Not even in the game. Pummeled. Yeah. And then last year, I mean, not that it had playoff implications, but they played Oregon for the second time in three weeks, and they destroyed the Ducks. So we'll see. I'll take Oregon plus the three, kind of like you. Not my favorite play of the week, but I am going to take a little on Oregon. Or excuse me, Utah plus the three. Well, I also think, uh, you, you know, if you're playing the dog, you're taking three. And if you're playing a favorite, you're laying two and a half. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So three for me, two and a half for Matt. Maybe not officially head-to-head, -head, but yeah, pretty close to head-to-head uh, -head here. All right, let's get to the noon kick, Eastern, 11 a.m. in Arlington, Jarrah's World. Another game with massive playoff implications. TCU 12 and 0. Uh, maybe one of my worst bets ever. Last week I took 10 and a half with Iowa State. Uh, we had a good run two weeks ago. We had a we've had a good run on the podcast, and I still went two and two on my official plays last week. Uh -huh. Of course, uh, didn't give out Mississippi State, which won outright. That's just the way it works. But I gave out Iowa State. Awful bet. Absolutely terrible. And now you've got the revenge factor again, right? USC revenge factor against Utah, TCU, Kansas State. Kansas State catching two and a half here in Arlington. I know you've got to play in this game. Will Howard got a little dinged up in that game in Fort Worth back in October. 28 unanswered for TCU to win 38-28 and cover. Both Matt and I had three and a half with uh, the dog in that one. Going back to the well with the Purple mm -hmm. Cats here. I am uh, the first time I think I was taking five in the game in Fort Worth. That's where the number opened. And uh, K-State had kind of owned this series before losing in Fort Worth in the first meeting this season. Wildcats led 28-10, to 10, late second quarter. Two of their quarterbacks go down. Adrian Martinez, Will Howard, the third stringer comes in, first pass, throws a pick. Wheels fall off before you know it. An 18-point lead when you're catching five turns into a 38-28 loss. I think um, Will Howard has steadily improved here in the past few weeks. K-State's playing at a really high level. I know you're going to look at the, the score, the Iowa State blowout, and say um, what TCU did against the Cyclones was uh, more impressive, but K-State's been playing some really good football since that loss on October 22nd. Chris Kleiman's one of my favorite coaches, an under-the-radar coach not many people talk about, but you got Deuce Vaughn. He's one of the best running backs in the country, 1,295 yards, 5.3 per carry. This offense is hard to stop. And I think uh, K-State, you know, you can talk about how it's tough to beat a team through two or three times in a season. It's not tough to beat a bad team two or three times in a season. It is tough to beat a good team and a well-coached team two or three times in a season. Now, 
TCU, I, I think, is uh, going to have its hands full here with K-State. I was hoping the number would move to three. I haven't seen three. Nope. I haven't bet this yet, but you can put me on the record for K-State plus two and a half. I think the, the Wildcats win the game, uh, and I'll, I'll end up taking the two and a half and a little bit of the money line price if um, – if that's what I have to do by Friday night, Saturday morning. And TCU will be holding on to their butts on Sunday morning, figuring out at 12-1, and 1, do we do enough to hold off Ohio State well, that's, in their number five? Tim, that's where I become a conspiracy theorist again. Ohio I, you State? Know, t- well, okay, you saw the ratings, the TV ratings. 17 million people. For Ohio State, Michigan, Correct. right? Do you think TCU is going to bring in a fraction of those viewers? I tweeted out something to this effect. I didn't even give an opinion. I just asked the question, Matt. Okay, TCU loses by three. USC loses by three. What are the matchups? <laughs> and I said, do we get Ohio State, Michigan again? Alabama fans got mad at me. TCU fan. I'm like, I, I just asked a question because on Thanksgiving weekend, 17 million people watched Ohio State and Michigan. You don't think ESPN executives, because that was on Fox, wouldn't mind having that matchup mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve yeah. on a Saturday. Uh-huh. Just, uh, just putting it out there. Hey, it's if USC flops on Friday night in They're Vegas done. and TCU, yeah, USC would knock it in. But if TCU loses, I think it's going to be too convenient for the committee, Tim, to put in Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama. Oh, that would be something. And you know what? There's not too many odds makers who would disagree with that, by no, the way. That would be... Odds makers would tell you that uh, Ohio State, Bama, favored on a neutral over TCU, USC. So I don't, I don't think you can throw a fit about it. There's going to be a lot of people complaining on Twitter and just in the media in general if that's the scenario that plays out on a Sunday morning. But from an odds making perspective, I, I can tell you those are the four best teams, the four strongest teams. So I would not cry about it. Also, if TCU loses, I'm not in that group of people who thinks TCU is guaranteed to be in the playoff if it loses. I don't think so. I, 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 now, let's say TCU loses lose, by 10. If they lose by 10, it gets interesting. I think if, they lose in by, if they lose by three, I think they're in at number four. But, but you can never underestimate the power of the money and the TV ratings and what the other teams are going to bring and what TCU is not. I 100% agree, and they figured that out a couple years ago, the first year of the playoff. What was that, 2014? When they were number three, or Baylor was number three, dropped to number six. So all I'll say this, yeah, TCU fans, win the damn game, and then you don't have to worry right. about it. <laughs> win win the game i took two and a half two weeks ago and somehow magically they found a way to win and i got the cover so uh, we'll see if they can win by one here you can win your bet and tcu can get into the playoff let's head to uh atlanta lsu against georgia number one number one georgia host uh it is basically hosting it's at the georgia dome or mercedes-benz dome whatever they call it four o'clock eastern on cbs gonna be a great atmosphere as it always is down there in uh, in Atlanta, uh, Brian Kelly told the media today that Jaden Daniels has been practicing all week, which is great news for Bayou Bengal fans. The number has gone up steadily throughout the week. 17 and a half is where it sits right now as we record here on a Thursday afternoon. Um, I have not touched this game. I do think this 
I think Georgia is going to be very motivated for this game, Matt, Mm -hmm. because they didn't win the SEC championship last year. And as anyone who watches college football knows, well, the SEC just means more, Matt. They do like winning that conference championship. They haven't won in, I think, four years. So I think you're going to get a motivated Georgia team, not to say they're going to cover for sure, but I do think you'll get a motivated Georgia team against LSU. What are you doing here with 17 and a half points? Well, I've already done it, and I took 18 with LSU in this game because I, I talked with uh, Jimmy Ott, who's uh, the director of content for Bet Rivers and obviously uh, works for ESPN Radio Baton Rouge. We've talked about him before. You know him well. Uh, I was on with uh, Jimmy early in the week. He said Brian Kelly told the media down there, Jaden Daniels is fine. He's yeah. practicing. He's good to go. He's going to play. And he said Brian Kelly's been honest about the injury information this season, and he's told uh, – Told everybody what's up and been straightforward about it. So I, I was counting on Jaden Daniels being good here. I took the 18. I think the number is a little bit high. Another team, Tim, you said I tipped uh, my hand a little bit, and I did. I, I look at teams like LSU and Purdue and coaches like Brian Kelly and Jeff Brom, who I have a lot of respect for. These guys are really good offensive coaches. They're going to empty their playbook in a game like this because you got a chance to win the SEC championship. And, and Kelly, in your first year in Baton Rouge, I'll draw a line through the Texas A&M game a week ago because I think uh, the Tigers just got caught looking ahead. Plus, mm-hmm. Jaden Daniels was banged up in that game. He was hobbled by the ankle injury. They were looking ahead to the Georgia game. They got caught. Uh, they lost in College Station. Draw a line through that. It's all about the Georgia game now, and I think the Bulldogs have been a little bit shaky recently. That 16-6 to game in Kentucky. Last week led Georgia Tech 10-7 to at the half. Yeah, does Georgia have the firepower to um, – to turn this into a blowout, there's no question. But, Tim, when I look at a guy like Stetson Bennett, he's only got 16 TD passes in 12 games, right? This is not the greatest show on turf. This is not a Georgia offense that uh, hits you for a ton of big plays and necessarily blows you out. I don't see why LSU can't hang inside this number unless uh, the LSU defense just has too many breakdowns and uh, Georgia runs all over them. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Plus 17 and a half I right got 18. Now. I took 18 with LSU, but yeah, you're right. LSU. And by the way, 18 can be an important number. It can be. Yeah. 35 to 17. 28 to 10. You yeah. never know. Uh, I think uh, we had Brett McMurphy on um, the show, VEASAN Primetime, earlier this week. And, uh, you know, Brett is a tremendous reporter, but he's been dabbling in the gambling side of things every once in a while. The mustache, McMurphy. And, and uh, he likes the over here. He okay. likes the high high pace, the the track down there in, uh, in the ATL. So uh, I, I don't have a play, but uh, I'll, I'll say that uh, he got 50 and a half, and it's up to 52 and a half. So uh, Brett McMurphy moving some markets there. And uh, good job on uh, being the first to report Tom Herman to, uh, to Florida Atlantic here on Thursday. All right. Uh, staying in that four o'clock Eastern window, Matt. One more thing about Brett McMurphy. So he reported the uh, Hawaii Bowl matchup. Yes, he did. Thank you, Brett. That's uh, San Diego State, Middle Tennessee. Looking forward to that. Uh, what, what you said that was the second. I think Brett tweeted that was the second bowl matchup to set. What's the first? The first is the Bahamas Bowl. Miami of Ohio will be taking on UAB. Okay, I missed that one. Yeah, that was... Okay. Uh, is Trent Dilfer going to be coaching the Blazers? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think he is going to be uh, going to be coaching that one. May, I, I wonder if those two matchups have to get out earlier because of the travel and the logistics. Bahamas being out of the country and Hawaii being, you know, so far away. I don't know. That's just pure speculatory for me. But uh, we do have two bowls, and we will have 
all 40 plus of them announced on Sunday, including the Vegas Bowl, which I'm excited about. SEC versus the Pac-12. Go ahead, Tim. Go ahead. Break the news. Well, Tim Murray not, has sources to tell him what the Vegas Bowl matchup is going to be. I'll just say that uh, there's there's a uh, a couple predictions that it's Florida and Oregon State, which I think would be a cool matchup. Okay. Oregon State. Jonathan Smith covering second, uh, the best covering team in college football. Let's call it transition here. Mm-hmm. Ten and two, Oregon State. Tulane, ten and two, and that's where we go. The American Athletic Conference Championship game down at Yulman Stadium. In Nolens, Tulane looking to win their first conference championship since my co-host Sean King was the quarterback for the Green Wave in 1998. That was Conference USA. Now it's the American Athletic Conference. They're taking on UCF, a team they played just a couple weeks ago and lost to, Matt. But yet, the market is backing Tulane already up as high as four in some spots. Tulane taking on UCF. Um... I'm going to go ahead and make it an official play. Whatever the cheapest money line is out there, I got minus 160. Um, whatever the cheapest one is, I'm going Tulane here. Um, kind of a similar situation to the Notre Dame-BYU game we talked about. It was sitting there at three and a half. That kind of tells you a story sometimes. And the fact that this game closed November 12th at one, UCF won the game, and now Tulane is a four-point favorite. Mm-hmm. It, it tells you something. I think it tells you that John Reese Plumley is not going to be 100% healthy, and Gus Malzahn has kind of indicated that as well. He was able to run all over Tulane, but if he can't go or if he's limited like he's been in the past couple of weeks, I think Mikey Keene isn't very successful against this Tulane defense, a strong passing defense. So looks like the cheapest money line I see out there right now is minus 165. Minus 170 is readily available. Uh, I laid it at minus 160. Uh, I'm going to go Tulane here. I think Tajay Spears runs all over them. And I'll give you one last thing. And I know there's no such thing as motivation in championships. However, earlier this week on Monday, Willie Fritz was noncommittal to his future at Tulane. Mm-hmm. The next day, sent out a statement. I'm not going anywhere. I'm coming back. (laughs) Something fell through at Georgia Tech. Exactly. But Tulane reaps the benefits of that. I think the team plays well. I think Tulane wins. I don't want to get dirty with a three and a half or four, so I'm going money line. Green wave here against UCF. Yeah, I was looking at that too, and I thought if Willie Fritz was going to head to Georgia Tech, that Tulane was going to be a fade in this game. Obviously, Tech told Willie, hey, we're not going to hire you. We're going to stick with uh, Brent Key and – that's why he's still a Tulane. I kind of like the green wave in the game. I don't like it a lot. I talked to a really sharp college football better early this week who loves UCF in the game. So I said, okay, mm. that's not what I was expecting to hear. Uh, I thought he was going to be on the Tulane side. And um, I'll tell you who that was off the air. <laughs> I can't, I don't, I don't have, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to throw his name out there. I didn't. Uh, tell him I would uh, mention his name. Well, so. hopefully for that, you know sharp, who it is. Hopefully you know who that's it is. sharp. Better uh, it is uh, Tulane by three. Let's I, I kind of like Tulane. I, I still kind of like Tulane in the game, and I think like you, I might put Tulane on a, a money line parlay. I don't want to lay the points here, but uh, I do like Tulane to win the game. And I, I think the first time these teams played, what, what the line close? One. Tulane won. Yeah. And now it's four. Tulane won and lost the they game. They lost, and, yeah. and yet they're a four-point favorite sure. now. Interesting. Interesting. Um, but once again, the health of John Reese Plumlee with that hamstring, I think, is the difference here. And uh, they, after that win, they lost the Navy, and they 
really struggled and almost blew it against USF sure. last week in a rivalry game. So uh, give me the green wave on the money line. That'll be an official that play, a good play for I me as so. well. Same time slot. A conference near and dear to your heart. You know, there are people who are listening to this podcast, Tim, who would uh, torch you for laying a money line price on a game like this. Well, if it wins, I hope it lands three for those people then. There's a certain group of Twitter critics who uh, know it all, who love to criticize people for any certain play they make that's like not an optimum, optimal math play. Shut up. Just do your own betting and let people play the way they want to play. I'm not buying from five to five and a half here. I just right. don't, don't want to mess around with a, a three-point game or a late touchdown from UCF. As you said on the podcast multiple times, sometimes paying an extra 50 cents is worth your peace of mind. Well, it also was worth cashing a ticket the last time you and I bet Utah on the money line instead of laying the points against USC, right? Yes, it did. Yeah. It worked out quite well there. Now, Notre Dame, the other game I've played two – I think I've played two money lines on this podcast. I could be wrong. Uh, we'll get the interns on it, but uh, – Notre Dame covered, but as you said, peace of mind. I didn't have to worry about a backdoor cover. Just had to win the game. All right, Mountain West Conference. This is fascinating to me. These two teams have played, but you got to throw that game away, in my opinion, because Jay Kaner did not play uh, when these two teams met back on October 8th. Boise closed as an 11-point home favorite. They won 40-20. to It is right now threes across the board. I grabbed three and a half. I was hoping there would still be a three and a half available for for the podcast here um does not look that to be the case uh so uh, actually uh maybe wait we'll see if we can get to three and a half but i'll give you my spiel here real quickly on uh, on fresno state you know I've, I've heard it all week matt that this boise state defense is elite and <laughs> the statistics uh-huh. would tell you that is true they are i believe number one in the country in passing yards allowed per game, um, defensive passer rating, they're number four in the country. Can I read you the passing offenses that they faced this year? I was going to say, you always have to take into consideration the opposition. They have not faced very good offenses. Utah State, 105th passing offense. Wyoming, 125th. Nevada, 115. Colorado, 108. Air Force, 131. San Diego State, 119. New Mexico, 128. Oregon State, 103. They lost that game. It wasn't really competitive. UTEP, 86th. They lost that game. And BYU, 33rd. They lost that game. Jaron Hall lit this secondary up. 377 yards. BYU, I know I've seen some people say, and it's true, they scored a late touchdown to get the win. As a nine-point underdog, by the way, they outgained Boise State 532 to 324 in that game as a nine-point underdog. So I don't know how good Boise State's defense is because Fresno State's defense, because they've played similar competition, is also top 20. All I know is that Jay Kaner is a guy that threw for 360 yards against a really good offense and or or defense in Oregon State earlier this year in a loss for Fresno at home. Caleb Williams faced that same defense. He threw for 180 yards. Michael Penix, the number one passing quarterback in the country against Oregon State, 298. Mm-hmm. Jay Kaner's pretty darn good. If you just look at the games that Jay Kaner's played this year, Fresno State is throwing for 321 yards per game. That would be sixth best in the country. If I'm getting points with a player that maybe him and Grayson McCall 
mean the most to the line to any other person in the entire country, I'm going to take the points of Fresno. So uh, I was hoping that three and a half would be available for the podcast. They'll still play it at three. Uh, and I do think they have a good chance to win this game outright. I put a little on the money line as well. So uh, give me Fresno. Jeff Tedford, by the way, he has won a Mountain West championship before at Boise State. Beat Boise State. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is Andy Avalos's just second year as a head coach. So I think the head coaching might lean towards Jeff Tedford here. I do like Taylor Green. I think he's a special talent there at Boise State, but I'll take the points to Fresno. Yeah, I think Taylor Green has turned around Boise season. Defense is probably getting a little bit too much credit. I couldn't agree with you more about those numbers. When I looked at the offenses Boise's faced, uh, yeah, how can you not help but have great defensive numbers when you're facing those anemic uh, passing offenses? You know, Fresno's season win total was a, a bad beat, eight and a half if you played it over. Ooh. This team's eight and four. There's no way they lose to UConn if they got Jay Kaner. They might even beat Boise State the first time around. Five quarterbacked in that game, and he threw for 134 yards. Uh, but uh, Fresno State would have been at least nine and three, if not 10 and two, had Jay Kaner knocked down with that injury. So Fresno's won seven straight, five of those with Hayner. He passed for over 300 yards in four of those five games. I lean Fresno here as well. Think about how the, uh, I guess, the narrative about Andy Avalos has flipped. There were a lot of people saying, all right, he can't coach. Got to mm-hmm. get rid of him early in the season. Lost after to UTEP by after 17. After the loss to UTEP. Yeah, it's going to look like there was going to be a coaching change at Boise State. Uh, Tedford's definitely the stronger coach here. I know uh, that you love Jay Kaner. I do. <laughs> I mean, he's <laughs> He's one of my favorite college quarterbacks in recent memory, uh, too. I lean Fresno, but I need to get that three and a half. I'm going to wait to see if that pops up at some point. Yeah, um, it, it was three and a half earlier in the week. There was actually a rogue three and a half late last night when I did my write-up Wednesday night uh, at the Westgate here in town. And I know Westgates are available in some jurisdictions across the country, but that was scooped up as well. So, yeah, maybe see if you can get a three and a half. Um, <laughs> I, I grabbed it at three and a half, uh, but yeah. Uh, Utah State, by the way. It's been tough to find the three and a half this week. You had to be quick on the trigger. I think Circa went from three to three and a half for two minutes. Really? Yeah. I was able to get it. Um, have a lot of apps. I was able to get it at uh, Stations Casino at three and a half on, I think, Sunday night. Uh, by the way, though, Utah State, uh, our colleague, Adam Burke, mm-hmm. took the points with Utah State last week against Boise State. I don't know if you witnessed one of the worst bad beats oh yeah oh yeah uh so uh this is for you adam boise state gets your revenge i'll take the points with boise state uh, that's a I, I can think of a lot of bad beats this football season well let's go with the bottom five i think you have to go with that utah state game a week ago <laughs> that's that might be number 28, one 23. that might be the worst beat of the season i think it's a, going into the end zone right. and they don't cover 17 yeah. how is that possible the two worst beats are that one, I think, and and also the under forty six and a half in the Stanford uh, Cal game. Oh, the uh, sixty one yard field goal at the buzzer. Sixty one yard field goal. Yeah, the they, last play of David Shaw's career right. was getting. Oh no, they lost to BYU the next week. To cut it to a seven point game as time expired, twenty seven twenty to go over the total of four. Those are the two worst beats of the season. I think they have to be. Let us know. I was uh, on that, by the way. I had the under forty. Did you really? You never play totals. Yeah, I liked that one that week, and I saw Stanford Steve was on it. And um, <laughs> Blame Stanford no, Steve. No, I'm not blaming him at all. I'm blaming David Shaw. Why the <laughs> hell would you kick the field goal? And not only that, 
It's a 61-yarder, and the kid nails it, and he nails it. How many times is a college kicker going to make a 61-yarder? Huh? To make it a seven-point game <laughs> at the buzzer. Unbelievable. I was looking at it all week because the offensive numbers were so bad for those teams. I was thinking, why is this total not 38? You know, 38 and a half. Somewhere? And Tim, late in that game, I think it was, uh, it was like 20 to 13. So anyway. I never played totals. I, gave out, I think I've given out one total on this show. It was the Notre Dame-Clemson under. It was 14-0 going into the fourth quarter, and they scored 35 points in the fourth. <laughs> you wonder why I hate totals? I hate totals, That's too. why I don't play totals. All right, let's get to a game near and dear to your heart. I think you've bet on every Purdue game on this show, one side or another. Uh, news coming out today, Blake Corum done for the year for Michigan. Uh, Donovan Edwards picked up the slack against Ohio State. Great call by you. They went outright, uh, just bully Ohio State 28-3 in the second half and run away from that game. 8 o'clock Eastern kick, this one at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. And as of recording, I believe it's still 17. Let me... Yeah, double-check that. But you could just look over your shoulder. I could do that. Oh. Uh, see if there's any 17 and a half. So there's no. It's all 17 pretty much across the board. Michigan laying that big number against Purdue. Um, sir, the floor is yours. Yeah, I did not have mother. a great week on this podcast a week ago. What, I go three and three, I think, on the I think six yeah, picks yeah, I, I sent right, you? Yeah. And I really thought I was going to win the Indiana play. And uh, those Hoosiers plus ten and a half. Uh, I'm sure not many people watched the game. The eyes of the world were not going to be on the uh, Purdue-Indiana game, but that was the right side, Tim. Indiana's quarterback, who was he was giving Purdue's defense all sorts of trouble, dual-threat quarterback. He was in the open field. He went down with a non-contact injury, either broke his leg or blew out his Achilles. At that point, Indiana had the lead in the game. Indiana led 7-3 to three at halftime, by the way. And uh, we ended up losing that 30-16. to uh, 16, But a lot of that had to do with the quarterback going down for the Hoosiers, and that really kind of flipped the game. So uh, I, got a, I got a text message to read. Uh, we can read it uh, verbatim from Matt Eumann's Saturday, 337. Bleeping QB injury uh, killed the Indiana bet. Dog was the right side. And then he said, how is Mexico? <laughs> Uh, (laughs) all right so what do you got quarterback injury did hurt okay here i like purdue like i said jeff brom's gonna empty the playbook he's got a 60 year 24 year old quarterback and aiden o'connell his brother died last week he's been home grieving that but he's gonna be back with the team he's gonna start this game what makes purdue's offense better too is it's a little bit more balanced this uh walk-on freshman devin mockby he's really injected a lot of life into the offense he's Purdue's rushing for 125.8 yards per game, so they have more of a much more of a rushing threat than they had in the past. Purdue's average margin of defeat in the uh, four games it's lost this season, 9.8 points. It really was only one game, and that was against Iowa on that cold, windy day where they couldn't get their offense going, and they lost a lopsided game. But uh, this team plays to the level of competition, Tim, and that's why Jeff Brom... Like I said, Flops is a favorite. He's dangerous as a dog. You think about the Wolverines the week prior to Ohio State. They were lucky to get by Illinois, 19-17, in Ann Arbor. There's something about that look-ahead spot. There's also something about a letdown spot when you play the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. and you blow out Ohio State on the road. I think uh, if you're matching up the personnel for these teams, yeah, Michigan deserves to be a significant favorite. And that wouldn't surprise me if Michigan's running attack is just too much and Purdue can't handle it. And uh, Purdue gets uh, steamrolled in this game. But 
I got a sneaking suspicion here. It's going to be a lot closer for a while than people think. And um, with Blake Corum out, that does kind of level the playing field a little bit and uh, makes Michigan's running attack a little less dangerous. I expect to see the best Jeff Brom has to offer in terms of play calling in this game. Trick plays, all sorts of surprises. I think Purdue's going to be aggressive, and uh, I'll take the 17 points. Jeff Brom has thrived against top five teams. Just ask Ohio State. Just ask uh, Michigan State last year. It was Iowa Iowa last year. I mean, this is a spot that he loves. And, you know, I was thrilled, not that you lost your bet, but that Iowa was not in this. (laughs) Because we saw that last year. It was 42-3. to And I don't know what the final score is on Saturday. It could Uh be a blowout. But I do know this. Purdue has at least got a an offense that can move. Charlie Jones has, speaking of Iowa, uh, has been phenomenal since uh, since coming on as a grad transfer to uh, to Purdue. You, so, you want to know why Charlie Jones transferred from Iowa to Purdue? Wasn't he a life? Wasn't he like a childhood buddy with uh, Aiden O'Connell? Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, that is. But he, I think he caught more passes in his first two games at Purdue than he had the entire season at Iowa. That's why he transferred. <laughs> Receivers want the ball, Tim. Yes. They want the ball. Word yeah. on the street. All right. You're taking 17 with Purdue. Not going to disagree uh, with that one. I do think last year, Michigan was really hungry to win the conference. No question. I don't. Is that still hunger still there? Not saying they're not going right. to be motivated, but I don't know if it's that same burning desire right. like it was That's a good point. last year. That's a good All point. right. Another primetime game. Get excited. Number nine, Clemson. Why are they still in the top 10? Against number 23, North Carolina, why are they ranked? Um, This number, this game will be played in Charlotte, by the way. Seven and a half, couple eights out there. Eight o'clock Eastern kick on ABC. UNC coming in off back-to-back losses to Georgia Tech and NC State. Remember that time Drake May was going to win the Heisman Trophy? And Clemson coming in off a loss to South Carolina. So... Uh, I wouldn't say both these teams are riding high. DJU played just horribly against South Carolina, (laughs) and he'll probably start again on Saturday night. How do you look at this one on Saturday night in Charlotte? Why is Dabo Sweeney being so stubborn with uh, DJ? He's 8 for 29 last week, 99 yards, and he goes the whole way in the 31-30 loss. Why? Can you explain it? I I cannot. There's, There's some conspiracy theories out there that there's a freshman coming in, Next year for Clemson, that's better than club. Ne- I don't know. I, I don't know. One of these guys, by the way, and I think I've heard some rumors that DJU, as soon as this game's over, is going into the portal. Yeah. Oh. So, so why is Dabo protecting him? I have no idea. Club should if be the guy. Leave. Anyway, I think Clemson's been unimpressive for most of the season. Got exposed by Notre Dame, obviously last week by South Carolina. Tim, you watch a lot of college football. The best two pros- prospects at the quarterback position, in my mind, are Caleb Williams and Drake May. Who do you think it would be? And they're not going to be in the 2023 draft, by the way. These guys are yeah, still a year I mean, away I like, from I like the NFL draft. Bryce Young's pretty special, too. But he's special, but he's very slightly built, which bothers me. I think me. Caleb Williams <clears throat> is is exceptional, and I think Drake May is, is rising. So, mm-hmm. yeah, hard to argue. And Bryce Young, I think, should be the first quarterback to go in this draft. But next year's draft, well, I'm talking 2024, when you got Caleb Williams and Drake May, that's mm-hmm. going to be a big-time quarterback draft. He's a redshirt freshman, 35 TDs, five picks. He's also, by the way, the team's leading rusher with over 600 yards. I think he's the real deal. DJ's a phony. And um, 
This game, by the way, is in Drake May's hometown of uh, Charlotte, where, where I think uh, the Tar Heels are fully capable of pulling the upset here. I wonder about Dabo and how he can motivate his uh, team. You know, they have no shot at the playoff. They just lost to South Carolina. I think uh, this is one of those games, another game where the dog is playing with house money. Take the eight points with Carolina. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up with a couple spicy matchups. Spicy matchups. All right. Friday night, CBS Sports Network, 730 Eastern, the Alamo Dome. You got North Texas and UTSA, the Roadrunners. Um, these two teams played earlier this year, Matt, and it was a back-and-forth battle. UTSA wins with a last-second touchdown. They were a 10-point favorite against the Mean Green on October 22nd. They are now an 8.5-point favorite. Uh, once again, 31-27 was the final score back on October 22nd. Um, I'm not going to lie and say I've watched a ton of CUSA football this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin Oon or on the uh, quarterback for North Texas. He's pretty good quarterback. And Frank Harris is also a good quarterback for UTSA. Yeah. Haven't played it. Uh, lean the dog here, though. Uh, North Texas, I think, is an interesting spot here. Catching eight and a half uh, against UTSA. Last year, they were uh, North Texas was five and six. Steamrolled UTSA to get the bowl eligibility. Played earlier this year, as mentioned. Close game. So, uh, catching eight and a half. Uh, I could be intrigued to take the dog here. Um, anything... I'm just going to run through these three games, these other conference championships, and see if you have anything. Toledo, Ohio, that's going to be the MAC championship. Uh, ESPN on noon. Our colleague here at VSIN, Stormy Bonatoni, will be on the sidelines there for the MAC championship. Both of these teams, Matt, dealing with quarterback issues. Nathan Rourke for Ohio is out. CJ Harris uh, has taken over there for the Bobcats. And Daquan Finn played last week but was a shell of himself they bring in tucker gleason uh he did not play well either tucker gleason i believe has a broken bone in his non-throwing hand uh but one thing i'll say if you like how the market goes and you and i uh spoke to the same odds maker Mm -hmm. saying that sharp money was coming in on toledo it was one and a half on i want to say wednesday as of record right now, Toledo is a three-point favorite. So do with it what you will, but sharp money coming in on the Rockets against Ohio in the MAC championship. And that's based on information. That's based on sharp money. And, uh, Tim, I cannot pick winners in the MAC, so I'm going to let somebody else pick this one for me. And I'll play uh, Toledo based on the sharps and the information. And then final one. I don't know about you, but uh, the MAC is my worst conference when it comes to handicapping and picking winners. Hmm. That's a good... Uh, What's I gotta, your worst conference? I'm you know? trying That's to think what my worst conference... I don't bet the MAC nearly enough. I did bet Bowling Green win total over this year. I liked uh, liked what I saw there coming back. I wrote up the MAC for our VSIN betting guide. Maybe the Sun Belt? I don't know. That's a good question. I have to go back and look in my, uh, my file here. Speaking of the Sun Belt, let's get to it. 3.30 Eastern. This will be a home field game. Troy hosting Coastal Carolina... Quarterback concerns in this one for sure. I mentioned Jake Hayner. Maybe he means the most to the point spread of any player in college football. Mm-hmm. Grayson McCall would like a word, as would Coastal Carolina. He is uh, ha- has been sidelined for four weeks, Matt, with a foot injury. Earlier this week, um, Jamie Chadwell was doing a radio interview and said on Wednesday, if the game was today, Grayson McCall would not play but I'm hopeful he will play on Saturday. 
There's some rumors that he will play on Saturday. I would imagine he'll try to give it a go. You've seen this line go all over the place. Open four and a half, got up to 11. Now it's sitting around eight and a half. Uh, I don't personally have a play on this one. I'll say this, though, on VEASAN primetime, Brad Powers uh, came on the show, and uh, he loves Troy. And uh, he said, wait and see if the news comes out that Grayson McCall does play, because then you might see that number tick under seven, and that would be a go big time for him. So that's what I got on that game. Um, you know, Sunbelt, maybe similar to uh, the CUSA, not a conference I watched a ton of, but with no Grayson McCall, and I'll say this one last thought on Coastal Carolina, Jamie Chadwell is gone come Sunday. Whether it be Liberty or USF, he is not going to be the head coach of Coastal Carolina. I don't know if it's going to be a situation like we've seen in the past with Scott Frost when he left UCF, where he was celebrated. Hey, man, go back to Nebraska. Congratulations. I don't know if that's the same situation because it almost feels a little lateral to go from Coastal to either USF or Liberty. So I'm not sure the motivation. And then you look at Liberty and how much they went in the tank once the rumors came out about Hugh Freeze leaving. So um, I couldn't play Coastal in this year. It would only be Troy or nothing in this spot. Yeah, we have a lot of smart people on the air on VSIN, and Brad Powers is one of those. And when it comes to uh, Powers and college football, I would defer to him on uh, the analysis in that game. And I saw the uh, the video clip that you put out from your show with uh, Sean King this week and Brad Powers talking about that. So I think uh, he's got more answers than I do. I, I will say this. I find it hilarious that Liberty lost its final three games, including 49-14 to 14 to New Mexico State as a 24-point favorite. That's bowl-eligible New Mexico State to you, That's sir. Right. And... Hugh Freeze got the Auburn job after that. <laughs> and with all the baggage he's got. What are you talking about? I don't baggage. understand. I, I, you're going to have to explain to me how Deion Sanders did not get the Auburn job. You got Bo Jackson. You got Charles Barkley lobbying for the guy. The, the future of college football is NIL deals and marketing and recruiting. That's all it is. You can't get in trouble anymore. Why can't Deion come in? Unless you text uh, escorts, maybe. Well, unless you're a backup quarterback <laughs> of Florida. Or things like that. That's a different story. But in terms of recruiting and things like that, Tim, the future of college football is what Dion is doing. And uh, I, I think that he would have been a home run hire at Auburn. I can't figure out why you go with a guy like Hugh Freeze with all this baggage, but you don't go for Dion. I think once again, Auburn's the people in charge with all the money and influence have screwed up the, the coaching situation. I think Hugh Freeze is overrated. Uh, I think that was a bad choice. It should have been Dion. Whoever gets Dion's going to hit a home run. South Florida, Colorado, Colorado uh, whoever it's going to be. Cincinnati. Yeah, it's um, so I, I think that was a big mistake. Anyway, by Auburn. By the way, Mike Pritchard, I think, has just as much clout as Bo Jackson and Charles Barkley. He is pushing for his alma mater to get Deion Sanders. How can you not? Auburn should have done it. All right, uh, let's get to it. Okay. To wrap it up, a best bet recap. Best bet recap. All right, Mr. Humans. Fire away, championship weekends. All right, let's go USC minus two and a half, Kansas State plus two and a half, LSU, which I got at 18. We'll call it 17 and a half now because the 18s have disappeared. North Carolina plus eight, and uh, Purdue plus 17. All Five right. plays. I will go Utah plus three, head-to-head -head against humans. Fresno State, I played at three and a half. It's three right now. I'll give it out at three because three and a half doesn't exist. Wait, maybe a little, see if we can get a three and a half, read the market a bit. 
And uh, Tulane money line. Find the cheapest money line. I got minus 160. It looks like minus 170 readily available. So we'll go Tulane money line. And then uh, a group think play, I would say Toledo. Are we going to lay the three money line? What, what would you do with Toledo here with uh, the news of sharp money coming in? I'm, I'm going to lay the money line here yeah. because you could have laid one and a half, two and a half on yeah. this play. If you haven't bet it yet, just go ahead and uh, lay. I mean, the money line price is pretty cheap on the Rockets. I believe I can. Uh, 140, 150, I yeah, think right now. So uh, I Toledo, sharp money on Toledo. So uh, just take a look. It looks like minus 150 is uh, the cheapest here in town. All right, that's going to do it. Next week, Matt, you and I will reconvene to talk about bowl season, a season that you and I love so very much. Once again, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend. Hey, it's the holiday season. Why don't tell a friend about the VSIN College Football Betting Podcast? For Matt Humans, the Bet's giving champion of the world. He'll be wearing his belt around Las Vegas for years to come. I am Tim Murray. We'll talk to you next week to have ourselves a winning weekend.